Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
Kuang. an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark house. To the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. Its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away, where his glory forever. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday Someday, I'll exchange it someday for a
one day a Roman soldier in a shameful gambling game won the blood-stained garment that once had clothed my king a cheap robe of linen no great value did it But when worn by the master, it was worth more than gold. You see, a few days before, why this old robe had changed the life of a tired and helpless woman who believed with all her might she reached out and touched it with hope to be restored she knew this plain old garment was the vesture of the Lord and God uses uncommon dreams so it's not what you are now that matters you see it's what he can make you to be for if God can take an old and change your life then surely he can use you and me you see we are the reason that Jesus came to die and we have been chosen to send forth his light so it doesn't matter if your work is great or small god needs some willing vessels just common garments that's all and god uses Uncommon things And God uses common people To live out His uncommon dreams So it's not what 
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Say yes. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 this morning as we continue our study through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we began this chapter last week, and we made it all the way through verse 1. All right? So we're going to go back over verse 1 today, but we're also going to go through verse 7. So uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Ephesians 3, 1 through 7, as we focus this morning on the pioneer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to worship, the opportunity to pray, the opportunity to give. And now as we open up your word, I pray that you would speak uh, in a very clear way to us uh, about what it is to to be a part of of your family and the amazing work that took place to bring us in, to bring us as Gentiles into your family. We thank you that you didn't just come about this in the New Testament. This was your this was, was your vision from the beginning of creation is, Lord, that we would be brought into the family of God. And, Lord, I'm so thankful for the way that you put upon the heart of Paul to, to pen these words to explain to us what took place to bring us in. And so I, I pray that if there's even one here today who doesn't yet know you as, as personal Lord and Savior, Lord, that they would recognize that you desire a relationship with them. No matter where they come from, no matter the color of skin, no matter the, the amount of money in the bank account, no matter the background, good or bad, Lord, that you desire for them to know you in a personal way. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. Hiding behind the cross that only you'd be seen, that only you'd be heard. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said last week, we, we began there in verse 1. And in that short but powerful verse, we see that Paul... reminds us as the reader that he was the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul might have been under house arrest in Rome. He might have been under the Jewish charges as he waited to appear before Caesar. But he wanted everyone to know that Jesus Christ was really the one who was holding the keys. And so Paul's life was not controlled by Rome. It wasn't controlled by the Jews or by Caesar. His life was under the direct sovereign control of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an important thing for us to understand. That's some important information 
for us to take in this morning. That if you become a prisoner of circumstances and situations of your life, then you're going to be a pretty miserable human being. If you allow the actions of people to imprison you in your heart and your mind, then you're going to have a, a really hard time enjoying life. However, if you can ever get to that place where you fully understand that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the controller of your life and your destiny, then you can face any trial, any situation, any person, any problem with confidence knowing that the Lord is in control. And that is where Paul was. And that's where we need to strive to be as well. So in verse 1, Paul has the intention of praying for the Ephesian church. But instead of praying, Paul launches into this 13-verse statement of the nature of the church. Paul comes back to his prayer in verse 14, but, but he uses these verses to explain the church. And in, in these verses, there is some very important teaching. And we saw last week in verse 1 that we, we considered the prisoner who was Paul. And then beginning in verse 2 and, con, and continuing today into verse 7, we want to take a look at this pioneer. Paul was a pioneer. Paul was given the most unique ministry of any man ever used by the Lord. You see, part of that ministry is revealed here in, this, in these verses. These verses reveal truths regarding the church that were hidden from mankind until this time in the New Testament. And in these verses, Paul draws back that veil from the mystery of the church and allows us to see and understand what was hidden within the heart of God for, for so very long. And so, if you, if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. And let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. Let's look at these first seven verses together this morning. For this calls I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If ye heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, you word. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in our ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. You may be seated. This is a, this is a game-changing passage of Scripture as Paul begins to explain what has taken place here between what happened in the Old Testament and, and, and through the Gospels to what has happened now of the Gentiles being welcomed in to the family of God. This is all part of God's plan. And so we begin by looking at the first six verses here, and we see Paul, the pioneer. These verses form kind of a parenthesis in the thinking of Paul as he explains to the church who is in Christ. They, we see that he, he wants the church to understand the amazing grace and power of God in salvation. That it's, it's more than they had ever really even comprehended. He wants the church to know that he is, is, it's not an accident, but that it is the product of the sovereign plan of Almighty God here. In view of that, Paul turns away from the original thoughts to tell us more about the mystery of the church. His words reveal 
him to be a pioneer in the early churches. He preached truths that had never been heard before. And so the first thing we see here in this particular part, verses 1 through 6, is the ministry that he was given. Look at verse 2. Paul says that he was given a dispensation. Now, that word means a stewardship, an administration, or, or a management. This word refers to a person who was responsible to take care of another's business. And so that person would have the oversight over all the responsibilities that pertain to the business of the one that employed them. So this wasn't his, this was given to him by another. So in Paul's case, he was given the oversight of taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, specifically to the Gentiles, something that had never really been understood before. He was tasked with telling them about God's life, his salvation, his grace, and the place they had been given in his kingdom. Paul did not choose this ministry for himself. He was appointed to it by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul wants his readers to know that he, he was not a self-appointed preacher, that he was given this by the grace of God. In 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17, this is what he says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. It's, what we see here is Paul was compelled to preach the gospel because the Lord had chosen him for this particular task. He had been given a dispensation of grace. And now it was his duty to faithfully preach the gospel wherever he went. He fulfilled his duty to the very end of his life. We see there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, that he continued that task to the very end. And while none of us have been called to be apostle to the Gentiles, we have each been given a dispensation of the grace of God this morning. You see, the Lord gave each of us certain spiritual gifts and talents and abilities, knowledges, and, and opportunities. And we are to be good stewards of those gifts and to use them to the glory of God for the good of the kingdom of God and for the good of the people around us. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter says it this way, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Like Paul, we all have a ministry and it is our duty before God to fulfill, to fulfill that ministry to his glory. But then the second thing I want you to see here is found in verses 3 through 5. And it's the mystery that he was given. Now, now this is something completely new. In these verses, Paul makes it clear that he had been given a revelation of a mystery. The word revelation refers to an uncovering. And the word mystery refers to a hidden thing. It speaks of the secret counsels of God or the things beyond natural knowledge. And so in other words, Paul is saying that God has lifted the veil away from the truths that had been hidden away with God. What Paul was, has been writing about is, is a divine secret that now we get to be a partaker in. It is a truth that was hidden from the ancient heroes of the faith. People like Moses and Abraham and David and Isaiah and others did not possess this knowledge. They did not understand what Paul understood and they do not understand what we understand today. It was hidden from them in the secret counsels of God. 
In Genesis 12, verse 3, God promised Abraham, In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, what does that mean? Abraham didn't understand the, the fullness of what was being said there, but God did. Not one, <clears throat> no one fully understood that truth until Paul now is allowed to understand that mystery. And as he writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Abraham didn't understand it fully. God did. And then Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 49, 6. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribe of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. No one fully understood that truth until the revelation of the mystery was given here to Paul. And he explains it to us this way in Acts chapter 13, verses 46 and 47. He says, Then Paul and, and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light unto the Gentiles that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the end of the earth. In verse 4, Paul says that he wants his readers to understand his knowledge in the mystery of Christ. In other words, Paul is telling us that he has been given special insight into God's secrets and that he has been called to share those insights with us. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for that. I thank God that Paul shares this insight that God had given to him. And for, just for the record, I want you to know that no one is getting these kinds of new revelations today. Some claim that they are, but they're not. The scripture is complete, period. We have everything necessary. Everything we need to know concerning God and spiritual things has been written to us in God's holy word. It is complete. You don't need another book alongside it. The Bible is complete. There are many truths that we will not know until we get home to glory with the Lord. But right now, everything we need to know is given to us in God's word. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Live it in order to be holy. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But then thirdly, I want you to see in verse 6 the message that he was given. Paul has already touched on this mystery in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, as well as in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. But in this verse, he explains it more clearly here in verse 6. So what is the mystery that Paul has been alluding to? The mystery is the truth that the Gentiles, the Gentiles have been included alongside the Jews in God's plan to form his church. The Gentiles. Now that's an amazing thing. Again, it's hard for us to understand just how revolutionary that this truth would have been for the Jews in Paul's day. It was just the same as the level that must have boggled on nines when the leper was told that he could go with 
the regular people and no longer have to be isolated. When Jesus began to heal lepers and they began who had once been so far off from their family and loved ones and had now been brought near, the Gentiles being, being brought into the church was just that revolutionary. It would be like today, like saying that the chronically ill could be mixed together with healthy people. Like when we have Ebola and other things that break out and they have to put them in quarantine, of all of a sudden saying, no, you can all be mixed together now because there has been a cure. And maybe you don't understand the cure, but there is a cure and you're going to be okay. You can all be one together again. Now, it's important for us to understand that to the Jews, this idea was blasphemy. They hated the Gentiles and allowed no fellowship with them at all, period. Now, Paul says that in Jesus, the barriers have now completely been removed. And now Jews and Gentiles are on equal footing before God. Paul clarifies the mystery in, in, in these verses. And notice the content of that mystery. First, the Gentiles are fellow heirs. You get that? The Gentiles are fellow heirs. I want you to think about the person that you can stand the least. The person that makes you cringe. And you find out that after a rich uncle dies, you're fellow heirs with them. That's hard to swallow. That's where the Jews were. The Gentiles, who were once aliens and strangers from the commonwealth of Israel... And, and, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world, now are being told that they now possess the same legal standing as his chosen people, the Jews. What? The Jews would have said, what is going on here? Every single believer is on level ground, we're told. We are all given the same blessings. We are no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We're no longer outcasts. Now in Jesus, we are all sons and daughters of God. In other words, as believers in Jesus, we share all the promises of God to his people. All of us do. We are fellow heirs with the saints. That's good news. But the second thing he tells us is the Gentiles are, on, are of the same body. Of the same body. That is, all believers in Jesus Christ share a common life in Jesus. And so the same life that flowed through the Spirit to Paul lives in your spirit today. Do you get that? The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you today. That's an amazing truth, isn't it? Good grief, are you people saved? That's an amazing truth. He lives in you. And Paul's sharing this with them. Just as every cell in your body shares the same life of your body, so every believer in Jesus Christ shares the same common life of God in all of us. So in God's eyes, every believer is absolutely indistinguishable from every other believer. He sees us in the same way that he sees his beloved son, Jesus Christ. He sees holiness. He sees righteousness. He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our mistakes. He sees one that he, he is completely forgiven and forgotten about our sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. That's an amazing truth. And it's brought to us as Gentiles. We're not Jews. And he brought it to us. That's an amazing thing. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that 
one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. That's an amazing truth. But thirdly, the Gentiles are partakers of the promises in Christ. Thus, all those who are in Jesus Christ are inheritors of all of God's promises in Christ. We get it all. Not just a little. We don't just get the, the, the scraps to the side, which would have been great. But we get it all. We get a full portion. When the Jews looked to, forward to their Messiah, they were looking for one who would save them from sin, deliver them from all of their enemies, secure them as a nation, and bless them with his presence and his goodness. All those things are true for all those who are in Jesus today. Not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. But then fourthly, Gentiles achieve this standing. How? By the gospel. By the gospel. That is, by believing the gospel message that Jesus Christ came. The Son of God came to us. That he put on flesh and he dwelt with us. That that, that, that same God died on the cross for the sins of sinners like us. And that he rose again from the dead on the third day. And he did that to save lost sinners. And that if we will repent of our sin, turning away from it, and cry out to him for salvation, believe on him by faith, that we shall be saved. That is the mystery. That us, as Gentiles, can be saved by the gospel. The only way anyone is ever saved is through the gospel. The Jews weren't saved because they were from the bloodline of Abraham. They too were saved because of the gospel. Believe in it and become part of the body of Christ. Deny it and go to hell. Period. He says it's that simple. No matter who you are, you must believe it. Believe it. And you're part of the body of Christ and deny it and you're separated for eternity. And so the mystery Paul is preaching is that the truth that Jews and Gentiles are made one in Christ. And by the way, every one of us is in one of two categories. You're either a Jew... I don't see many in here today. Or you are a Gentile. Period. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're Hispanic. I don't care if you're Asian. I don't care if you're American Indian. I don't care if you're from Africa. You are either a Jew or a Gentile. And so that means a person, regardless of skin color or ethnic background, shouldn't shouldn't matter to us. Because it doesn't matter to the Lord. He says it's the gospel, period. That's how you're saved. And so it's a sin for us to create artificial barriers between ourselves and other believers. It is not pleasing to the Lord and it's not a good testimony of the body of Christ. And so then the reverse side of that mystery is the fact that not only are all believers in Jesus, but Jesus is in all believers as well, that he dwells within us. Colossians 1, 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He comes and he dwells within you. The same Jesus who died on, on the cross of Calvary and dwells the spirit of his people. He is in every saint of God, regardless of your heritage. He is in you. He is our common ground. He is our unifier. He is the one element that makes us all one. Jesus should be 
bigger than differences in race and ethnicity and religious background and political party, social status, economic means, or any other consideration. Jesus Christ is bigger. And all that matters is Jesus. And when he moves in, he makes us part of his body and he lives his life through each and one of us. And so that's why we must strive for unity in the body of Christ and we must not allow personal feelings or opinions or actions to disrupt the unity of the body of Christ. And that's why Paul tells us that, it, that if it is possible as much as lieth in you to live peaceably among all men. God's will for the church is very clear. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. In Philippians 1.27, Only let your conversations be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. But then the last thing I want you to see, verse 7. Paul the preacher. And we're going to actually look at this in more detail next week. But Paul the preacher. So now having re- revealed the mystery to his readers, Paul wants them to know how he came to be in this office that he occupies. Did Paul just wake up one day and decide that he was going to be a preacher? Absolutely not. Here's a man who was a, a powerful, prejudiced Jewish man. And, and now God's calling to, to go preach to the Gentiles. It's not something he chose. It's something that was chosen for him. And he was appointed to be apostle to the Gentiles. And so we see his call. Paul did not choose this path. In fact, he, he was a man who would have rejected it if Jesus Christ himself hadn't stopped him in his tracks. When salvation came to Paul, along with it came the call of God to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And this is how it's described in Acts twenty six sixteen. It says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of, of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Jesus says, it doesn't matter what you want to do, you're mine, and I'm going to use you for my honor and my glory. It was not Paul's education, his power, his esteem among men, or any other thing that made him a preacher of the gospel. It was the sovereign will of God. And so Paul says that he was made a minister. God took Paul and intervened in his life and made him something that he had never been before. God made a preacher out of him and sent him out to share the mystery of the gospel. And again, that's how the Lord still works in the lives of his children today. He saves us for a purpose, and he fashions us to fulfill that purpose for his honor and for his glory. And we need to remember that God has a will for our lives, and that everything we face in life is merely preparing us to fulfill the will of God's plan for us. But then also his credentials. Paul says that he is a minister. That word is actually the same word that's also translated deacon throughout the New Testament. It refers to a servant, a, a table waiter. We've talked about it before. It's the idea of one who kicks up dust, one who, who's so busy in ministry and so busy doing for the Lord that it's like they're, they're pig pen on, on peanuts. There's a constant dust cloud around them because they're so busy doing what God's called them to do. That's the idea here. That's how Paul saw himself. He didn't see himself as a man who was worthy of honor and esteem. He saw himself as a servant, a servant of the church. He saw himself as a man who was under the authority of his master, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He understood the truth that were it not for the grace of God, that he would still be lost, a lost religious Jew. And he understood that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ 
through the grace of God, had redeemed him. And so he was not doing what he was doing of his own initiative, but he saw himself as a minister with a ministry which was a gift of the grace of God. And so none of us here this morning are, are apostles. None of us here this morning are prophets. There are a few of you who are here who are deacons, maybe a few who are preachers. But all of us have one thing in common with Paul. We are all servants, servants of the church, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we're servants who have been redeemed by the Lord, and he owns us, and we owe him honor and glory. So then we, if we are servants, it means that we are also brothers and sisters in Christ. We each have a ministry, and we are to fulfill that ministry to the glory of God. And so there is no greater love than to serve alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. But also we see his companion lastly. Paul wants his readers to know that he does not know what he knows because he's smart. He doesn't write the way that he writes because of his intellect. And he does not serve like he does because of any trait or power within himself. Paul wants them to know that he is the man that he is because of the effectual working of his power. That God did this in his life. Paul was a made man. God took Paul, saved him by his grace, and transformed him into the mighty apostle to the Gentiles. God's work in Paul's life was supernatural. It was sovereign. It was powerful. It was personal. Paul took no personal credit for the fruit of his ministry. He gave all the glory to God. It was God who made Paul the man that he was, and he never forgot it. And so when Paul preached, it was a display of the power of God. When Paul wrote, it was a display of the power of God. And in his preaching, his witnessing, and in his writing, Paul had a companion. He had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that enabled him to do the work that he had been called to do. Brinesburg, I want you to understand something this morning. So do you. So do you this morning, every one of us, and every day of our lives, we have this same companion with us. When the Lord saved us, he moved in, and when he moved in, he came into us to give us the ability to serve the Lord and to carry out his will within each and every one of our lives. The Lord is the power behind the saints. And so anything you accomplish is to his honor and to his glory. When we are yielded to him as Paul was, we can expect his help to work for him and to live for him and to serve him in this world. The same spirit that empowered Paul is the same spirit that empowers you today. Thus, he gets all the glory for what he accomplishes through us. So what are you doing in your life that can only be described as God in action? What's taking place in your life that can only be described as God doing a work that you couldn't do on your own? Is there anything like that happening? If not, there should be. We should step out to the place where if God doesn't show up, we're in big trouble. That should be the way we live our lives. That's the way Paul lived his life. That's the way he lived. Is there any area of your life that can only be described as Christ at work within you? We have a heavenly companion. And as we move through this world, he's there. The Spirit of God dwells in us. And he equips us for ministry, the ministry that God has already selected for us. So we can trust him to enable us to carry out the will of God in this world if we will live that way. You see, Paul was both a pioneer and a preacher. He was both by the will of God for the glory of God. The Lord singled Paul out from special ministry and he fulfilled it by the help of the Holy Spirit. And I hope 
you understand that God has selected you for a special ministry as well. If he saved you, he saved you for a purpose, and it's not to sit in a pew. It's to do something. So what is it this morning? He desires to equip you, to use you, to bless you. What is it that he wants to do in your heart and in your life? If you're not serving him, then you should be. And I invite you to to start today. There's a lot to do. Just come and ask me. I'll, I'll, I'll set you up, okay? There's a lot to do. Ask God what he might have you to do. But maybe this morning you're saying, Brother Brad, the problem is is that I don't have a relationship with Christ. Well, guess what? God wants to work on that as well this morning. Because if you're recognizing that, it's because the Holy Spirit of God has allowed you to recognize that. And he wants you to know that you are a sinner. So were all of us before we came into a relationship with Christ. And then he made us into a saint. And that's what he wants to do in your heart and your life today. He wants you to repent from your sin, meaning turn away from it and run to him. And if you'll do that, if you'll run to him, and if you'll place your faith in him, by grace you shall be saved. If that's you this morning, would you come? Would you be saved? Maybe you've been putting it off all summer and you've said, well, I'm going to do it this time or that time. Do it today. Be saved today. If you're a teenager, if if you're an adult, if you're a senior adult, Maybe you've walked the aisle before and it just wasn't real. If God is speaking to your heart today and you need to be saved, come. If God's speaking to your heart and you need to get involved, you need to get plugged in, come. Maybe he's saying you need to join this church family, come. How's the Lord speaking to you? The mystery of the gospel, that Jesus Christ would choose to use us. What an amazing truth. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you. And we thank you for this, this message this revealed mystery that you gave to Paul, the pioneer to, to, to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Thank you that you chose to save us. And Lord, I know I've got some friends who are here today, and they don't yet have that relationship with you. But Lord, they know they need it. They know they're lost. They, they understand the weight of that. And I don't know why they've put it off for so long, but Lord, they have. And Lord, I pray today that they would stop fighting you and just run straight to you. Lord, to some that... that They've known you for quite some time, but they haven't really done much about it. They haven't served in any real way. They haven't been useful. And so, Lord, I pray today that they would come to that place of saying, I want to be used by you, Lord. I don't want to just sit in a pew. I don't want to just watch as a spectator. I want to be in the game. Lord, help them to take that step. Some folks need to make this their church family. They know that, they, that this is where they need to be. They just need to take that official step so they can really get plugged in. Lord, you know what pe- people need to do. You know the way you're moving on their hearts. So, Lord... I'm just going to get out of the way. You do the work that only you can do, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening. And may God bless you and your family.